Good morning. Uh, we're in Exodus 40, but we, this is Palm Sunday. I don't know if you're aware of, the, of this, but uh, when, when Daniel was prophesying, one of the most incredible prophecies in all the Bible is in Daniel 9, 24 to 27. And he says, from the going forth of the decree to, go, to re- rebuild Jerusalem to the coming of the Messiah will be 69 sevens. And so if you were to mark that, that time when it went out and start counting 360 days a Babylonian calendar for 69 times, you get 173,880 days. So from the, when that decree went out, you could start counting the days when the Messiah would be revealed. Well, Palm Sunday is when Jesus, for the first time, rode into Jerusalem and allowed people to declare him to be the Messiah. And the leaders said, you need to, you need to tell him to be quiet. <laughs> he said, I'll tell you, if, if he would be quiet, the rocks would cry out. Because this is the day that Psalm 118, that song we, that, that uh, Sophia was alluding to, this is the day the Lord has made. It's actually speaking about a specific day when the Messiah would be revealed to Jerusalem, uh, to the Jews. And that was on Palm Sunday. Incredible. I mean, God just put it in, all in there for us. So when they, he said, if these don't, don't cry out, then the rocks will. And then he sort of pronounced judgment. He said, you should have known it. The Jews should have known. But you missed this thy day. So it's an incredible event that happened in history that God prophesied a long time. So anyway, um, Exodus 40, why don't you stand? Let me, I'm going to read just a couple of verses I'm going to start in chapter 39 just to get us ready for this uh, final study in the book of Exodus. So in, in chapter 39, and we'll do a responsive reading. In chapter 39 and verse 32, we read this. Thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was finished. And the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So they did. And they brought the tabernacle to Moses, the tent and all its furnishings. Verse 42 of chapter 39. According to all the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did all the work. Then Moses looked over all the work, and indeed they had done it, as the Lord had commanded, just so they had done it, and Moses blessed them. Chapter 40. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the first month you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. We're going to look at that this morning. So responsive reading, Psalm 27. I'll read the first and odd verses if you would read together the second and even. Not the whole psalm, but uh, most of it. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army may, may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So, Lord, we are here this morning to wait on you, to hear your voice, to hear from your word. Lord, we want to be of good courage. We know that you want to strengthen our hearts. We know that you are the one who hides us and keeps us and protects us. And Lord, you also speak to us all the time. Give us ears to hear, I pray. The things that I prepared this morning, break them fresh. Feed us. We're hungry. We're hungry to know you. We're hungry to walk with you, to be led by your Holy Spirit, to be fruitful in all that we're doing. And Lord, we want to forsake anything that's in the way of that. So please bless this time in your word now. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. You can be seated. So just to wrap up from the beginning, 
we come to the close of the study in Exodus. The key verses that outline the book, as we've looked at a couple times, we'll come back to that just to close this out. In Exodus chapter 6, therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, Exodus 1 through 12. And I will be your God, Exodus 13 through 18. There, then you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brings you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. Uh, verse, in chapter 19, verse 4. You have seen now what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandment, Exodus 19 through 24, then you shall be to me a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Verse 6, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These final chapters that we've been looking at. These are the words that you shall speak to the children of Israel. So I will take you as my people. I will be your God. If you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. God has said, this is what you shall be to me. I want to play this video, and I have another one to close with, just to give us a feel for the tabernacle in picture, because this is what this this is just an easy way to see the whole thing. This, this incredible thing called the tabernacle was really a very simple thing that God gave them as a structure where they might meet with him. And so the tabernacle was raised up, verses 1 through 8 of chapter 40, and then verses 17 through 32. In chapter 39, again, all the work of the tabernacle of the meeting was finished. The children of Israel did. They brought all those things. Verse 39, we read this. According to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so they did. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and said, on the first day of the first month, you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. So here's a picture. I'm going to keep that up here as we go through some of this. Just again to get a picture, if you haven't seen this before, of what we're, we're looking at here. So size-wise, that outer, the, the court or enclosure is about the size of our back parking lot. The, uh, the, the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, which includes the holy place and the holy of holies, it's about the size of this stage, both this way and that way, up to the top. So that's, that's to give you an idea of how big it is. So it says in verse, uh, in chapter 40, you shall put in the ark of the testimony and partition off the ark with the veil. You shall bring in the table and arrange the things that are on it to be set in order on it. And you shall bring in the lampstand and light its lamps. So we're working from the inside out. You shall also set the altar of gold for the incense before the ark of the testimony and put up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. Then you shall set the altar of the burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. You shall set the laver between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and put water in it. You shall set up the court all around and hang up the screen at the court gate. Verse, uh, verse 17, it shall come to pass in the first month of the second year on the first day of the month that the tabernacle was raised up. So this is about a year since they left Egypt. 
Now, you have about two and a half months taken up with Moses gone, <laughs> talking to God. And so it's probably around six and a half, seven months of getting all these things prepared and ready. And so in verse 18, it says, so Moses raised up the tabernacle, fastened its sockets, and it just goes through those. And each time here in these little segments, we have just as the Lord had commanded Moses, as the Lord had commanded Moses, as the Lord had commanded Moses. So as each of these things are being put in place, it's being raised up. It was just like God told them through Moses to do it. So it's a fantastic thing, and it took a while, and it was a lot of work. Verse 32, all the work of the tabernacle the tent of meeting was finished. So in chapter 40 now, I want, I want to look at this whole thing, the, taber, the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. We read it four times in Exodus in these chapters. That tent of meeting, the tabernacle tent of meeting, included both the holy place and the holy of holies. And only the priests entered the holy place daily to take care of doing their ministry. But only the high, high priests could enter into the holy of holies, and that once a year. And it was, with a, it was a somber observance for the Day of Atonement. So all the celebrations, as you read them, are celebrations, except the Day of Atonement. And on that day, the high priest alone went into that holy place. So here's what I wrote down. As you look at this tabernacle, and you look at these things, they had no special tour days where the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, could be toured. You get, line up, get the tickets, and everyone can tour it. That didn't happen. This is a sacred enclosure. You shall set the altar of the burnt offering. So as you look at this, between the entrance gate from outside into the outer court, between that and the door of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, there's the first thing is that brass altar. And then... In fact, this, this altar is where everyone except the tribe of Levi stopped. This is where it was done. This is where the end stopped, at that altar of burnt sacrifice. So the inauguration of the Levitical priesthood was now being set in place to minister in that tabernacle area. Now, it may be that it was the tribe of Levi because the tribe of Levi, if you remember was the only tribe that stood with Moses against the worshiping of the golden calf. And it cost them quite a few. So the, the, God chose the Levitical, the, the tribe of Levi to be the priesthood. The, the men of the tribe of Levi would enter the priesthood at about 25 years of age until 50 years of age. It required significant physical labor. And so it seems, it appears, that after the age of 50, they could still assist but they couldn't be doing the work. How many of you 50 and over would like to retire? Yes. The men also that were of the tribe of Levi that were doing the priesthood, they performed all the subordinate services in the ministry in the tabernacle. So they would help with, they were, they were musicians, they were gatekeepers, they were guardians, they were temple officials, they were judges, and they were also had different Crafts, craftsmen. All these were a part of the ministry of the priesthood and those called to it. Now, I think it was very strategic on God's part because had it been a representative system, <laughs> had every tribe got to send the ones that they wanted to be a part of the Levitical priesthood, it would become a 12-party political system not a holy priesthood to minister to people about God. It would have gotten political. And so I think this is very strategic on God's part. He chose one tribe out of the 12 to minister in this tabernacle. Then between the altar of the burnt offering and the tent of meeting, you have the laver for washing or the laver. I'm not sure. How do you say that? Laver or laver? One of those. Okay. And this is where the priest would wash going and coming. And then between the inner veil, between the holy place and the holy of holies was this veil. And that veil was only gone behind once a year, as we said, by the, by the high priest. Now, here's what, just to capture this thing for us. All of these things are pictures of Jesus. All of them. They point to Jesus. Even when God gave it, it was pointing 
to the fulfillment in a Messiah, in a Savior. So Hebrews, I'm going to read chapter, part of, most of chapter 9. Read with me. Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the, earth, and the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. Now, when these things had been thus prepared, raised up, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services, but into the second part the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself, and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience, concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to what? Serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. And I say, amen. Now, the book of Hebrews Talk about this in a moment. The main focus is on the high priest, the great high priest, not so much the priest, the, the, the sons of Aaron or the, those following. So then we have in verse 9, you shall take the anointing oil of chapter 40, verse of Exodus, and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it, and you shall hallow it, make it holy in all its utensils. It shall be holy. You shall anoint the altar of the burnt offering and all its utensils and consecrate the altar. The altar shall be, this is holy stuff. And you shall anoint the laver and its base and consecrate it. The tabernacle and all that was in it was to be anointed as holy, consecrated to God. That's the picture. He goes on, verse 12. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And wash them with water. You shall put the holy garments on Aaron and anoint him and consecrate him. Now we have this very, this repeated phrase that he may minister to me as priest. Now God's not saying, God's not saying I want you to minister to me. He's saying to minister to me as priests. Now, the priestly garments, you have that picture? I'll put that up there just for you to look at. These garments, a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a skillfully woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. The high priest, the great high priest, very colorful and very full. Okay. Now look in verse 14. And you shall bring his sons and clothe them with tunics. You shall anoint them and as you anointed their father. Here it is, that they may minister to me as priests. For their anointing shall surely be on an everlasting priesthood through their generations, the tribe of Levi. Then Moses did according to all that the Lord had commanded him, so he did. So the next couple pictures, you have the, great, the high priest to the right, and then you have these very simple uh, sons of Levi, these tunics that they were wearing. Another picture there. Maybe it looked like that one day. They had a nice sunny day, and there it is. So eight times in Exodus chapters 25 through 40, you have this phrase that he or that they may minister to me as priests. So Aaron and his sons were to be washed and clothed, 
anointed and consecrated, chapter 28 says, for glory and beauty. For glory and beauty. Beautiful, glorious thing. These are, they're called into this priesthood. And it's to sanctify them to minister to the Lord as priests. The tabernacle, main point this morning, the tabernacle was raised up and consecrated for the ministry of the priesthood. To minister to the Lord as priests. To serve the Lord on behalf of the people and to serve the people on behalf of the Lord. To serve the Lord by serving the people. To serve the people by serving the Lord. So the priesthood was, was there to bring people to God. To stir an awareness of the holiness of God and the purity of God and their need for God. To sort of connect them back to God continually. So he goes on here. The tabernacle, he raised up the court all around the tabernacle and the altar and hung up the screen of the court gate so Moses finished work. So the tabernacle was finished now. And then the tabernacle was filled. Verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested. I mean, we're talking this amazing event that they're witnessing because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle so the tabernacle was finished the tabernacle was filled and here's the deal the tabernacle was from above it's from above this is God's doing this is God's provision this is God's ministry through the priesthood to the people Keeping in mind, pointing, pointing, pointing to Jesus, the great high priest, and now we, his priesthood. Keep that in mind. So it says here, the tabernacle is from above. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, so God is signaling, God's speaking, God's directing, the children of Israel go onward. and on. You would think with this kind of <laughs> leading, they would never get off track. You'd think, wow. But that's not what happened. Because there's an issue. The issue is sin. The issue needs to be taken care of. So God gave them means by which they could, they could have their sins covered. Pointing to Christ, when he came, we would have our sins removed. Once for all. So, the clap. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was, was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day and the fire over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout their journeys. God was going to be with them. God was going with them. God would be with them the whole time. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says this, quote, The sovereign God of heaven had taken a people in slavery, delivered them in power, made a covenant with them, and established them into a theocracy, a nation under God on earth. Now, wouldn't you just say, Lord, that we would be a theocracy, <laughs> our nation. The book ends on a strong, positive note. God was, was with the nation, and he was guiding them on to the promised land. May I say, we have the Lord our God. And he will lead us into eternity. Be assured of that. How am I assured of that? Because of one, and his name is Jesus, to whom all these things are pointing. So the tabernacle is raised up and consecrated for the ministry of the priesthood to minister to the Lord as priests. So you have the priesthood, you have priests, you have the high priest. Of the 42 times in the New Testament where these words show up, listen, this is incredible. 37 of the 42 times is in the book of Hebrews. 
So I have decided to follow Jesus. <laughs> we are, our next book will be Hebrews on Monday morning. On su- this, is, this is Sunday, right? Yeah, on Sunday morning. So I'm going to exhort you. Read it. Read it. It is incredible. Incredible book. Incredible explanation of this, our great high priest Jesus. And what we have as a holy priesthood in our great high priest in Jesus Christ. 37 times of the 42 that show up in the whole of the New Testament. Not counting the Gospels. Hebrews 8, here's what he says. This is the main point. Thank you very much. <laughs> this is why I'm writing. This is the main point of the things that we are saying. We have, a, we have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected, and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one, capital O, also have something to offer. For if, for if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law. Not of the tribe of Levi. He came from the tribe of Judah, Jesus. Who served a, the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now he, Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant which is established on better promises and we better say amen so in three weeks we'll start the book of hebrews next week is easter following that joel richardson so please i want to exhort you my brother sister as my read it just read through it maybe every day a little part just read through because the holy spirit as we give him our minds in reading the scriptures He begins to take those things and make something of them in our hearts that then change our lives because we are called as a holy priesthood. We are called to understand our great high priest and our place in this holy priesthood that we've been given. So two times it's in 1 Peter and three times in the book of Revelation. We'll get those in a moment. But Jesus fulfilled Everything pictured in the tabernacle. And so we get to walk through it. We get to kind of go on a tour and appreciate it like they never could. So for glory and beauty in the person of Jesus Christ, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. God put him here. We beheld his glory. The glory is the only God in the Father full of grace and truth. And what did the world do? They crucified him. Just like the prophecy in Daniel said. After those days he's going to be cut off. Violent death. Daniel prophesied that. That's what happened. Here comes the king of glory. The son of God. Incarnate. Tabernacling. What did the world do? Killed him. Crucified him. So it's for glory for glory and beauty as far as the person of Jesus Christ, but listen, as the priesthood. It's for glory and beauty in the message that we preach, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. We preach the gospel. We've been given a commission to tell people about Jesus, to declare to them these eternal truths of who he is and what he accomplished and what can be given, what they can receive through the gospel preached. Acts 2.24, we just looked at this on on, uh, Wednesday night. Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Death defeated Friday night. Jesus exalted Sunday morning. We're going to celebrate that. Peter's message at Pentecost is to be proclaimed in the glory and beauty of God's redemptive work, finished, completed. 
for us. His glory and beauty in the person of Jesus Christ, the message preached in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and third, the ministry of the priesthood. That's us as believers. The believer individually and the church collectively. The church is not a building. The church is us. We are the church. So, as we continue looking at these, in Corinthians, every believer is the temple of the Holy Spirit, filled from above. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Brothers and sisters, we have been purchased with a price. For you were bought at the price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Listen, it's work in that sense. It's the putting to death of the deeds of the body. It's fighting the good fight of faith. It's doing the things that are necessary because of the world in which we live and the body that's fallen, our fallen nature. The church is the every believer and the church is the temple of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? Paul asked us. The Corinthians were a mess, okay? So Paul's drawing them back. Do you not know these things? Do you not understand? How you live matters because of who you are and what God's called us to and called us out of. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. It's important it's to take these things to heart. Say, hold on, how am I living in the context of being redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, bought at a price? And as we read the scriptures, Hebrews, in fact, Hebrews, the book itself, has five warnings to it. There, there are warnings there to the believers, to the church, as to how we're living. Warnings for our sake. That we might enter into this glory and beauty of the priesthood and the holy nation to which Jesus has delivered us into. Ephesians chapter 2. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom... Jesus, the whole building being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I mean, these are deep things that we as believers have been, have been called in, into by called out of the world into this. So of the 42 times. These words show up in the New Testament two times in 1 Peter. So here's what he says about this priesthood. Coming to him as to a living stone. You ever see a living stone? You're looking at one, and I'm looking at you. <laughs> There's this foundational truth that we are alive by the Spirit of God. We are living. Rejected indeed by man, but chosen by God. And precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. A holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. Again the word. His own special people. That you may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people of God, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. A royal priesthood, in other words, sanctioned and commissioned by, by the king of kings himself. Royal priesthood. In the king's court. So the tabernacle. There in a dry and desolate desert, 
you come upon this white structure. And by the way, that white would really stand out because to make something white in those days, it took a lot of time. Most of the things were animal skins and dark. And so here's this structure, seven and a half feet high, linen white in this dry and desolate desert. To me, that would seem pretty out of place. Like, hold on a second. Here's this thing. And all the tents, badger skin, whatever they were, tents. And here's this structure right in the middle of them. Jesus came somewhat out of place. And when, we, when, when you would see him and see what was going on, there was something of God about him. So, listen, there is only one tabernacle. It's Jesus. God put him here. God raised him up here. There is only one gate, one entrance in that tabernacle. And Jesus said, I am the door. And it was a beautiful white and this beautiful, colorful entrance. We're going on a tour. There's only one altar of sacrifice where everyone but the, those ministering had to stop there and offer the sacrifice. That one altar is the cross. And in coming to the cross, what happens when we bow before God in repentance and faith? When we understand why the cross, why Jesus died on that cross, who he died for, he died for me. And the application becomes my sacrifice. And once that happens and I receive Christ, understanding you died for my sin. All my sin was laid on you. And you paid the price fully and completely for me. He who knew no sin, you were made sin for me. And you can personalize that yourself in coming to the cross. There's only one sacrifice. And that's the cross. The one sacrifice for all sin. There is no other. And Hebrews is going to point this out. All the calves and goats and blood, all that stuff could not put away sin. Covered it, yes, until, until, until the one sacrifice sufficient to pay the penalty not only mine but for the world. Jesus, there's only one sacrifice. So the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, in receiving God's forgiveness, in receiving the justification by my faith in his work for me, as I came in repentance, listen, I now become part of the priesthood. I'm called in this holy, this royal priesthood. And I now move on. And there is the labor. There is only one. It's Jesus who cleanses and washes us. There's only one table now in that holy place. Jesus is the bread of life. There is no other. There's only one lampstand. Jesus is the light of the world. There is no other. There's only one altar of incense. It's Jesus, who is my access to God in prayer. It's incredible. When we now minister to him as priests, we bring God's people. We bring God to people and we bring people to God. I'm living my life in hopes that my life, my ministry, whatever that might be, in Boeing or wherever, that my life now, as born again, living stone, filled with the Holy Spirit, my life begins to move people to want to know what's different, what who, you know, and I, I begin to be that catalyst to other people's hearts and minds that they might that they might come to the cross. My life, your life, having that kind of eternal impact. Why? 
because I've been to the cross and I've been forgiven. And I've been to the labor, I've been cleansed. I've been to the bread, the bread of life, the light of the lampstand, the incense in prayer. But it doesn't stop there. Now I walk into the holy of holies. I have access in the very presence of God. The priesthood. That they may minister to me as priests. We serve God by serving others. We serve others by serving God. We minister to him as priests. We bring God to people and we bring people to God. That's what we are. That's who we are. That's who God is in our lives. We serve him humbly and thankfully and joyfully. The priesthood that they may minister to me as priests. A priest is to bring an awareness of God into people's lives. To connect people. It moves you because it's not complicated. A joy. To pray people to God. To care people to God. A priest's work is rigorous. For a priest, there's nothing subordinate. We serve willingly in any way possible. We bring God to the forefront, directly or indirectly. We use our gifts and talents for that very same purpose, to bring an awareness of God into people's lives. And I have found so many times that doors are open because of the things that I'm good at in the sense that my talents, my gifts, the things that I've developed in. God uses all of them. It might be strumming a guitar. It might be banging a nail into place. It's to bring an awareness of God into people's lives. It may be a simple conversation. Or it may be a spiritual conversion. It may be a cup of cold water. It may be a word fitly spoken. But whatever, do we understand? We've been clothed as ministers to the Lord as priests. And the priests were clothed in linen garments. So my question, that was to set them apart. When you went into that tabernacle, you could see who the priest was. My question for you and myself, do people even know you're a Christian? Is your life any different? He's a believer, that's why. You know, people can go, go to their grave wanting to be like Kevin. That would be horrible. No, they didn't want, I want them to go to the grave knowing Jesus. And this garment, very simple garments. So I'm not suggesting some kind of a flashy draw attention to myself. It's the opposite of that. I'm living a simple, I'm just simply living for Jesus. To minister for glory and beauty. Psalm 29 says, give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness priesthood now we're going on a tour right there's only one mercy seat it's Jesus you see we minister as ones needing mercy forgiveness and grace and we come back to the mercy seat if anyone sins we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ who is the mercy seat for all of our sins 1 John chapter 2 Finally, there is only one king. Would you say amen? There is only one king who will rule and reign over his kingdom. And so the three times in Revelation, John to the seven churches are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. 
and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. He's king of kings. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us, here it is, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. To his God and Father. Why say to his God and Father? Because Jesus is the son as we are uniquely. He is the son of the Father like we are not. We are sons of God. Children of God. Revelation, here it is. Kings, we shall reign on the earth. Dominion. Chapter 5, verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy is the, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you have redeemed us to God from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And made us kings, here it is, and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. It's our royal priesthood. Verse, Revelation chapter 20. Again, the three times in Revelation where these words are used. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. How many are looking forward to a thousand years with Jesus as king of kings over this? <laughs> What's going on in our nation? What's going on? They're coming after our children like never before. This isn't in my notes, okay? Be careful. But I am telling you, and I hope you know this too, it has become so evil and so corrupt and so dark in this world, in our nation. And I see what's going on, and I hear of all these things, and I go, okay, God, here I am. How can I bring an awareness of you in the people's lives that are in my little sphere of influence? Because that's the only thing that will begin to sustain and strengthen our hearts. Charlotte often says this. I'm looking at these things. We go through stuff. What's going on in this world? We go, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? It can be so overwhelming, so absolutely debilitating. But I've got, I say, hold on a second, hold on a second. I am a royal priesthood. I am part of a holy nation. Our nation is far from holy, but not the one I belong to. And so there's a coming eternity. I want to watch a video. I want us to close with a video. But I also wanted to read these passages in Revelation. Then one of the seven angels came to me and talked with me and said, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. But I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of of God illuminated it. The Lamb is the light. Is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or lie. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Ultimately, God will take care of all the stuff we're seeing. There's coming an eternity. So I want to close with this as the worship team could come up. And we'll close in worship. But this is, it's about a three and a half minute just of, of the tabernacle, and just to, and I would just ask you, just let's let's bring Jesus into the, in understand all of these beautiful things that God gave to the nation of Israel had one purpose, pointing us to our great High Priest, and now we, as a part of His priesthood, get to minister people to God. Let's watch it.